welcome to another episode of the Dunce Caps American History. Uh, as always, Rob here. My name's Christopher. Christopher is here. Uh, we're doing chapter 25 today. The Depression and the New Deal. Ugh, just making me, just that, just the title just makes me depressed. Pretty much every picture is of people just holding these fucking... Baskets? <laughs> yeah, baskets above their head. I don't know what that's all about. The grapes of Wrath, are they grapes? No, look like, uh, they kind of look like hot dogs. Beans, they do kind of look <laughs> kind like, of hot dogs. like hot dogs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, section one, the Great Depression. Ugh, the Great Depression. Uh, what were the factors that brought about the Great Depression? Um, Wasn't there like a big stock market crash? Yeah, probably. I think so. Like, stock- is this when, like, there wasn't there like... There was one recently, too. Thinking of, like, it's called, like, Black Tuesday or some shit. Yeah, yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. I don't know. What else would... Well, and just, like, even the last chapter, we just talked about it. Everybody, like, all these people are having a tough time with jobs. There's mm-hmm. no more union. Like, it's... I don't know. Isn't it already depressing? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, section two. Roosevelt's New Deal. How did Franklin Roosevelt's leadership bring about the change in the U.S. economy? Well, if he's anything like the other Roosevelt, he's probably like a, I'm assuming some kind of radical Republican, right? I have no idea. I'm going to make that guess. Okay. Was it, was this, who is this Roosevelt to the other, are they brothers, cousins? I don't think so. I don't think there's. They're not even related in any way. But FDR is the president during World War II. He's like a really good president, so I don't know. I don't think it's his fault that there was an, uh, the Great Depression. I think he comes into Well, it sounds like it. he gets us out of it. Oh, okay. Well, it's just weird because in Section 3 says life during the Depression. So it's like, once again, McGraw-Hill just right. fucking me over. <laughs> right. But uh, I don't know. I just know he was like a real, he's a real tough, tough apple. Really? He's a real tough clam, yeah. Interesting. All right. I guess I shouldn't make any assumptions then. Uh, section three, life during the depression. How did the great depression affect the economic and social traditions of Americans, especially minorities? Everyone had to just buckle down and eat hot dogs, man. Whatever was the cheapest. Just eat dust. Those rat hot dogs. Rat dogs. Yeah. (laughs) Hot rats. Yeah. Delicious hot rats. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I want the tail. I want the tail. (laughs) Now, honey, you got the tail last time. Yeah. <laughs> Give it to your brother. <laughs> and if your brother was nice, he'd share the tail. <laughs> nah. Nah, fuck her. <laughs> it, I already ate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone. Yeah. Uh, I need more. <laughs> What's that? What's that quote? Man cannot live on rat tails alone. <laughs> right, Dad? You fuck. You got us in this mess. Now you get us out. Thanks, you commie. <laughs> uh, section four, effects of the New Deal. Why did some people support Roosevelt's New Deal and some oppose it? It's right there in the title. The word new. Right. People yeah, like, exactly. Whoa, whoa, new deal? What's wrong with the old deal? We like the old deal. Yeah. We want to go back to the old deal. The old deal, my house was made out of human bones and i have a couch made out of 
Mexican men. I'm a rich man. What happened to all the bones? <laughs> you mean I gotta make my house out of wood? You show me... Bones don't burn down. Show me a burnt bone. Sure, it smells terrible, but I like it. Reminds me of my... Of my parents. My, my poppy. They loved bones. <laughs> they built this house. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I don't even know. It's Yeah, like you said, it's probably going to have something to do with economy and money. And I'm guessing it, it had something to do with, like, taxing the wealthy. and Right. And same old story. Yeah. 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 All right. Should we critical think? Let's critical think. Um, so I picked this one. Uh, you're you're a journalist. Write an article for your small town newspaper that explains the stock market crash and failure of the local bank in your economy or in your community. All right, <laughs> mine would be like, like what's the um? It would start with like, full disclosure. I actually don't know that much. I don't know what the stock market is exactly, so. But bear with me. So, you know, there's companies and people can buy, you know, uh, they can own parts of that company. And if the company does good, then like the part you owned is now worth more than what it was when you paid for it. Um, But if the company does bad, then it's not worth anything. And your money goes to the companies and you get like a piece of paper and, uh, you know, the money gets spent on other stuff. No one knows. But you own it, sort of. But not really because you're not the CEO. And then, you know, the crash, what happened was everybody uh, thought the stock market was so great. Everybody's buying stocks. Everyone's buying everything, even shit stocks. People are buying stocks and rats. And so Chris Metcalf's rat company. I don't even know Chris what that Metcalf's is. Chris Metcalf's hot rats. Yeah, I don't even know what that is. And, uh, you know, basically what happened is uh, then all the people who, you know, actually own the companies uh, took all that money and they left. And and then it crashed. And so I just now I'm just standing here with this piece of paper. And now, and now we all just got these pieces of paper. And that's it. I kind of feel like I got swindled. Yeah. <laughs> But people, I thought people were, they told me they were making money. They said, it's a sure bet. Do you know what? I'm just happy knowing somebody made money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had a totally different angle when I thought of that because I just harped on uh, stock market crash and the failure of the local bank in your community. I just kept thinking like, these banks need to start carrying different flavored lollipops. <laughs> I can't keep eating red every time I make a deposit and I leave. What about green? What about yellow? They only have red lollipops. This is bullshit. That's why I took all my money and I moved it over to Chris's national bank. National, not national bank, I think it's called. And uh, he's got all kinds of lollipops. And you know what else he's got? Jolly Ranchers. Every Jolly Ranchers always trump lollipops. Always. Always. Oh, wait, what? The stock? Oh, I don't know anything about the stock market. I just I just know about this lollipop situation at my local bank, and it's pissing me off. Yeah. But Chris is uh, national, not national. Chris is national, not actually national bank. 
They take care of your money real good. Yeah. Oh, we're, yeah, they're down on uh, Forest and uh, Cherry Street. Yep. Just go. It's, it's oh, actually what? his that's, garage. So that's, there's nobody, there's nothing there no more? Well, I got to, uh, I got to go talk to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's going to get hit. And it ain't going to be me. Yeah. Uh, I like this one. What impact did the Great Depression have on employment? Well, I'd imagine that most people weren't employed. And if you did have a job, you had to, you know, it was real difficult. Like, you'd you'd be going into work and you'd have to fight through a crowd. People who didn't have jobs that would just spit on you every morning. And then, like, once, you know, the 9 a.m., bing, 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 uh, time to work, then all the people who, you know, were spitting on you, they're like, all right, I guess we'll go. Look for some jobs. Go then. live our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Go build up spit for tomorrow. <laughs> A lot of saliva needed these time. These time. Tough times. Keeping yeah. all this saliva in my mouth. Uh, section two: descriptive writing. Write a proposal from the mayor of your city to President Roosevelt that outlines a public works administration project you would like him to authorize. Include specific information about the work as well as how it would benefit your community. Dear, dear Mr. Roosevelt, my name. (laughs) Dear Mr. Roosevelt, my name is Steve and I'm from Iowa. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, you're really into. Get it? Iowa's thinking? Yeah. In parentheses. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> hope you like that one. Hope you like that pun. I hope that convinces you to build this water park. I hope you had a nice chuckle. <laughs> I really want to make, I really would like to get a public works going to get a, a local water park. Now I know, you know, it's not exactly like a public park with benches and grass and trees, but I just, that's like, it's just so much, it's so boring. It's so boring. I can only walk through the grass and sit on a bench so many times, Roosevelt. So I figured, what about a water park? It would just be like, it's like still the park part, but instead we'll have like slides and rides and like tubes all with aqueducts and water squirting out of them all over the place. And, you know, this would provide entertainment for all of us because all this new great technology, I got all the time in the world to wear my big oversized t-shirt and slide down a slide. Maybe my Band-Aid falls off and into my girlfriend's mouth. It's all the fun you can have at a water park. And I know what you're thinking. This is completely untested. It's never been done before. So I did my own experiment. (laughs) And I took several buckets of water down to my normal park. Threw the water on the slides. Threw some fucking kids down there. A lot of them got hurt. But you know what? They had Had fun. fun. They had a good time. Yep. Broken noses and all. Yeah. Kids are... They had so much fun, the kid went down, he fucking bashed his face in, there's blood everywhere. You know what he said to me? Steve, can I do it again? And you know what he did. After multiple experiments of trying to figure out how to slide across the floor, you know, a lot of trial and error. First we tried the street, then we tried the sidewalk. Those weren't very good. Then we tried the sandbox, didn't really go anywhere there. Then we tried the grass, we got a little somewhere, and and then all of a sudden I noticed... 
I noticed that this garbage bag fell onto the ground. This old man slipped and fell on. I was like, "Ooh, there's a lot of slick on that." At first, I laughed for about twenty minutes. After laughing for a half hour and at spitting that, on him, at that dumb old man, I rolled him off of the. On st- him. <laughs> I rolled him off of the sli- off of the garbage bag and started forcing the kids to slide. I was like, "This is slick." I said, "Get out of here, you old disgusting garbage-covered man." I got. I got kids to entertain here. I got a water park to build. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, it will provide jobs for people. Someone's got to be standing at the top of the slide to say, go, wait, go, wait, go, wait, go, wait. Cut to bottom of the letter. Go, wait. You know what I mean? Plus, we could hire a bunch of retards to, to make the wave pool. You know, just have them slosh around a bit. Bunch of mongoloids up at the front of the pool jumping and spinning around in the water. And they're having a great time, and we pay them a little bit, just a small amount. Yeah. It's going to be great. So, yeah, you know. Mongoloid monsoon, I'll call it. Yeah. (laughs) Just a thought. Just a thought. You know, and then we can sell some food, and it's going to be awesome. Yep. So, anyway... In summation, I would really like for you to think about doing this water park. All I need is like $5 million. Contractors, a bunch of water. Yeah, a lot of water. Probably like infinity water. Yeah, I know it's we got the dust bowl going on and it's fucking dry everywhere, but you're the president. You could do whatever you want. <laughs> and, and, and think about this before you say yes or no. Think about those smiling, bloodied faces of all those children. Think about what it means to them. What it will mean to them to never see this water park. Because <laughs> most of them didn't make it through my trial and error experiments. Yeah. But We're also you don't want that pits. to go on. You know, you don't want that to be useless. That's if you don't make this water park, those dead kids. That's on you. <laughs> <laughs> that blood's on your hands, sir. <laughs> Mr. Not President. Mine. Although my hands are very bloody, and some of it did get on this letter. I'm sorry. I but apologize ho- about that. But hopefully with this... I'd wash them off, but I got no more water. Yeah, but hopefully with this whole you know water park thing you're probably doing, <laughs> all the blood will wash off onto the slides. <laughs> if you build the water park, you can then wash your bloodied hands off <laughs> at the park. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Why was radio so popular? It distracts me from hitting my wife. (laughs) (laughs) I could turn it up real loud. When my wife starts... Turn out my wife's droll voice. When my wife comes in and starts talking to me, I just turn the volume up and don't make eye contact with her. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she gets the message real quick. (laughs) I don't even have to tell her to knit me sweaters anymore. She just does it. It's the perfect distraction from my wife. <laughs> my hands have never been so soft. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, other guys are like, actually, the domestic violence has increased in my family because now I listen to all the, the horse bet races and I can hear all my money drowning away in front of me. And then I just turn in anger and just get into a slapping rage. <laughs> get real slap happy. I don't even know. These are like really specific. Yeah. 
Imagine you were the unemployed head of your family in 1935. Would you have supported President Roosevelt's plan to add six more justices to the Supreme Court? Like, it's got to be more supreme. So, oh, I was thinking yeah, the opposite. Totally into it. You think you'd be totally into six. it? Six? Why stop there? Why not have 50? Why not just do a Supreme Court representative for every person in the United States? Then it'd be super supreme. Yeah. Look, I'm the head. I'm the head of a family, okay? It's like, you know... It'd be great if there was four or five of me to handle this. And it just so turns out that uh, I ain't got nothing to do. So if you need help finding these guys, well, here I am. Actually, to be honest with you, I'd like if we made more things in this world supreme. You know, we got cars with four wheels. Why can't we have like a seven car, like seven wheeled car and call it the Supreme Model T Ford? I got ideas like this for everything. I can supreme up really anything you want. So just throw it at me. You know, people always complain and why aren't the hot dogs as long as the as the buns? <clears throat> just throw three in there. Boom. Supreme hot dog. Supreme <laughs> Supreme Hot Rats. Yeah. The best. Been riding Chris Pu- forever. Public parks. Supreme Park. It's just all the rides, but they got water on them. And no grass. <laughs> and just concrete. Just concrete slides and water. And mongoloids. <laughs> <laughs> Supreme ones. But they are supreme. Giant mongoloids. Splishing and splashing. The biggest ones we could find. <laughs> the size of whales. Which are supreme creatures. Yeah. <laughs> when you think about it. When you get down to brass tacks. When you think about it, the mentally handicapped people are just like amazing whales. Beautiful. <laughs> Majestic. Since I'm unemployed, I can't go, you know, whale watching, so I go mongoloid watching <laughs> for free. I call it Supreme Why aren't watching. we charging them for this, huh? There's another idea. Supreme watching. <laughs> In fact, why don't we just make a, a clothing company called Supreme? Charge exorbitant amounts of monies for t-shirts and hats. For cheap shit. Yeah, for shit that's not even made in America. You know? Oh, you don't, you don't want to listen to me? All right, fine. You'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this will happen. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's go read chapter 25. This is going to be a weird one. It's going to be weird. All right. See you soon. And welcome back. <sighs> this chapter brought me down, Rob. Yeah, like down, like sad, or just like uh, okay. I'm depressed. Yeah, I need a new deal to bring me clinically out of this. depressed. I need a new deal to bring me out of this clinical depression. And even though the depression won't go away, it will feel better, right. but it will still continue to just wear on me. So anyway, gotta watch out for those side effects. So <laughs> suicidal thoughts, living in a shanty town, bloody diarrhea. Ugh. Is that a side effect of depression, bloody <laughs> diarrhea? No, if you take something for depression. Mm. So. Like, yeah, do side you effects want, may include. Do you want bloody diarrhea or be, to be sad? Yeah. But even then, like, the side effects are always, like, suicidal thoughts. It's like, I thought that's why you Yeah, isn't that them? why you're taking it to begin with? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Ugh, sucks to be depressed. Night terrors. <laughs> <laughs> Side effects side effects of this depression medication include feeling sad and alone, <laughs> feeling like no one is around in the world to help you, yeah. suicidal thoughts, night sweats, night terrors, nightmares. 
yeah depression medicine is always like the kind where like all the side effects can't actually fit on the bottle so like you peel off like it's got a little adhesive got a whole back side of yeah and you pull it out it's like a little booklet attached to your pills yeah um oh god yeah the great depression Ugh. here we go <laughs> do the whole chapter yeah everybody was sad <laughs> yeah. covered in dust it was magnificent <laughs> um in the booming economy of the 1920s, confident business and government leaders said the nation had entered a new era of prosperity for all. Um, uh, big businesses like General Motors told people to invest money in the stock market. Every single month. Every month. <laughs> you got to do this, guys. You got to do this. Right. Well, if he's rich, then we got to do it. Uh, grocers, motormen, plumbers, seamstresses, and waitresses were all in the market, reported Frederick Lewis Allen. Quote, the market had been a national mania. Hey, everybody, I got this great idea. Let's all put our money into this thing that doesn't actually exist. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow, we'll be rich. Right. Uh, it's like someone asking you to be like, hey, man, my friend Pete. So, like, if you just give him, like, $1,000, right? He's got this thing going. In about two months, you're going to get $3,000 back. And you're just like, but who's Pete? Like, how do you know him? He's just like, hey, it's, just, it's just someone that I know. And the stuff he's making Oh, I met great. him on the subway. <laughs> <laughs> What's he making? Don't know. Yeah. But he's got it all under control. I'm telling you, give your money to Pete. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's like magic. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this watch I got. Yeah. Pete. Pete got me this watch. I mean, he stole this watch and gave it <laughs> to think. me. I think. But this, this is the type of shit that's going to happen. It actually was my watch. And then Pete <laughs> he said he, he found it, it. And I didn't even have to pay him that much for it. Right. It's great. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. Love uh, you, Pete. <laughs> he, like, kisses his fingers, touches his heart. Pete. 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 Yeah. Pete. However... Suddenly, in October 1929, everything changed. Almost overnight, the value of stocks plunged. Uh, millionaires lost fortunes, and thousands of less wealthy investors lost their savings. Yep, the stock market had crashed. Yeah, and they were about to face the worst domestic crisis since the Civil War. Yep, the boom. The stock exchange, an organized system for buying and selling shares um, in corporations. In the late 20s, the New York Stock Exchange climb to dizzying heights. Oh, I'm so dizzy. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, this money. Ooh, I'm money. Faint. <laughs> Dude, if we lived in this time. Have you seen the news? You know how sarcastic we'd be if we lived in this time and people said shit like that? Yeah. Like, it's climbing to dizzying heights. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh. Get the fuck out of here. Fuck off, you <laughs> pussy. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> The long period of rising stocks convinced many to invest heavily in giving money to Pete. Uh, by 1929, three to four million Americans, or roughly 10% of all households, owned stocks. And I'd say about <coughs> more than half of them didn't even know what they were doing or what was going on. Yeah. Would be my guess. Um, investors lacked money uh, to continue purchasing stocks, so they bought on margin. This means that they paid for only a fraction of the stock price and borrowed the rest from their brokers. Brokers borrowed their money from the banks. As long as the value of stocks continued to rise, 
Everything's a-okay. Yeah, everything's all good. If the value fell, uh, there'd be no cash to pay off the loans and everything falls apart. Which, when they said this, it, the impression I got was that the banks and the brokers knew that the investors didn't. Well, I guess everyone gets screwed over. Anyway, yeah. let's keep going. Uh, yeah, so fearing that the boom market would end, a lot of investors started to sell their stocks in late September. And when people start selling a lot of stocks, it makes all the stock prices fall. Um, brokers then began to demand uh, repayment of loans, forcing investors who had bought a margin to sell their stock. So everyone's getting into this panic frenzy. But which is so weird because it almost seems like somebody put this idea in their head because it doesn't say that there was any reason other than that people got nervous. Right. Like, oh, things are getting too good. Sell, 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 sell. And then it just all like falls apart. Whereas mm -hmm. it, the based on the book explanation and, and granted, this podcast is all about how stupid we are. So I don't know much about the stock market and how that shit works. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it almost just seems like if nobody sold, then everything would be fine. Um, yeah, but I mean, I think what happens is like at a point it gets so high that like the people who are smart and really actually have their finger on the pulse, the people that are actually making money off the stock market know when to sell and de get out. You know what I mean? When, when to ruin a nation's economy. Yeah. When to so fuck everyone else. Over. Yeah. But I mean, that's why. They have all the money, so... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so Panic Traders sold almost 13 million shares on October 24th, a day that became known as Black Thursday. Um, Why's it got to be Black Thursday? <laughs> <laughs> Following a few days of calm, the crisis worsened. On Tuesday, October 29th, more than 16 million shares changed hands, and stock prices plummeted. Yep. Um, yeah, that forced the New York Stock Exchange to close for a few days to prevent more panic selling. I thought that was weird. Just They're just like... Well, if we just shut it down, then nothing's going to happen. People are going to be like in their houses freaking out, <laughs> but we'll be OK. Yeah, I've been I've been meaning to visit my sister down in Tallahassee. What's now that? seems like, like a, a good trip? time. I get like two and a half days down there. Come back. All right. It'll all be all fine. Hey, Pete, shut it down. Yeah. <laughs> um, Flip the switch, Pete. Yeah. <laughs> To give you an idea, this journalist wrote, The selling pressure was coming from everywhere. The wires to other cities were jammed with frantic orders to sell. So were the cables, radio, and telephones to Europe and the rest of the world. Wait, did you say this already? We slid into a Great Depression? No. Oh. Uh, so during the next two, year, two years, the nation's uh, severe economy crisis, we, we slid into what we call the Great Depression. Uh, mm -hmm. The output dropped from the Great Depression was 104 billion in 1929 to 58 billion in 1932. Yeah, and then the problems that led to the Great Depression. Yeah, it um, wasn't just started to show in the early 1920s. Right. Uh, once again, farm incomes shrank throughout the decade. Industries also declined. Yeah. Um, factories began having trouble selling everything they produced. Um, in the months before the stock market crashed, the automobile and construction in industries especially suffered from lagging orders. Yeah, because they had, is this the part where they say at one point they had made too, like the amount of product that they had made wasn't, mm -hmm. was far greater than the demand for stuff. Yeah. So yeah. we'll get into greater detail about that, but yeah, that's oh, basically what happened. Ahead? No, no, no. Cause I mean, they talk about that more in detail when we get to the farmers. Oh, okay. Um, 
And it says here, in 1929, less than 1% of the population owned nearly one-third of the country's wealth. Which is, like, still going on today. Yes, more or less. Um, at the same time, about 75% of American families lived in poverty. Uh, or, on the, or on the very edge of it. Which, I mean, I guess by the book... Well, no, I'm not on the edge of poverty. I wonder what the stati- like what the government numbers are to be like considered on the like be to be in poverty or on the edge. Well, I don't know because there's so many different classifications. There's like working poor, which is like people who are basically making enough money just to survive. Right. Like you can pay your rent, you can pay your bills, you have a bunch of debt, but like you're able to survive, but you're basically you know living week to week. Right. I'd say that's probably us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, right. uh, credit di- uh, credit crisis. Um, borrowed money fueled much of the economy in the 1920s. Farmers bought land, equipment, and supplies on credit. Uh, consumers bought cars on credit. Investors borrowed uh, money to buy stocks. Small banks suffered when farms defaulted um, to meet their loan payments. Uh Large banks uh, bought stocks as investment and suffered huge losses in the crash. Yeah, I thought this was crazy. Um, so all the losses forced thousands of banks across America to close between 1930 and 1933. And at that time, the government did not insure bank deposits. Therefore, when banks collapsed or broke down, that was it. All your your money's gone. gone. Just gone. Done. Yeah. Done and done. Uh, international depression. During the 1920s, the U.S. banks uh, made loans to stock speculators instead of lending money to foreign countries. Foreign countries then purchased fewer products from the United States. In turn, so there's less, you know, need, there's less uh, demand mm-hmm. for these products. So, the, you know, these, uh, you know, companies <clears throat> don't have like any work for, for uh, blah, blah, blah. I can't fucking talk today. They don't have any work for fucking factory workers. Right. And I thought this was funny, too. So matters grew worse after Congress passed the Hawley-Smoot tariff in 1930. And then fucking McGraw-Hill writes, the next sentence is, a tariff is a tax on imported goods. It's chapter 25, I McGraw. Know. We've been doing I know this. what a tariff is <laughs> since chapter 6. Are you kidding me? Yet later, we're going to get to, like, the last line of a section just baffled me, and yet you're telling me what a fucking tariff is. This is unbelievable. I hope that the last sentence in this entire book, on the last chapter, is right. what a tar- the definition of a tariff. Yeah. Also, we've been told what tariffs, tariffs are, like, five or six times now. Oh, my God. That drove me crazy. Ugh. Anyway, uh, joblessness and poverty... Um, as the depression tightened its grip on the United States, millions lost their jobs. Oh, the only the only thing I'll say about that is so because uh, the tariffs were raised in on the United States, goods, yeah. um, Europe responded by raising their tariffs on like basically worsening the exporting of American goods in Europe now. Right. So anyway, sorry. Keep going. We don't need your blue jeans. We don't want your blue <laughs> jeans anymore. We can get them from Italy. I only wear slacks now. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, in 1932, 25% of American workers were out of work. Uh, the unemployment rate remained near 20% throughout the decade. And workers who managed to keep their jobs worked only part-time or for reduced wages. Right. Um, newly unemployed felt devastated. New Yorker Sidney Lenz, um, who lost his job, uh, wrote, 
a feeling of worthlessness and loneliness, I began to think of myself as a freak and a misfit. Because you are! <laughs> You'd fit in right now. Right, Sydney. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come to Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, a lot of people did, like, bullshit jobs, like selling apples and shining shoes. Mm-hmm, which still goes on today. Right. Uh, hey, man, I got these oranges. <laughs> Got bags of oranges. I'm just like, I don't want your fucking oranges. Yeah, like when you're parked at a red light yeah, exactly. and the guys have bags of oranges and cold bottles of water, which yeah. I think they resealed after they filled them up. But yeah. I don't know, but I still buy it anyway. Right. <laughs> I'm desperate. <laughs> I'm so hot sitting in this light. You don't realize that you're sitting on gold right now. The water crisis is coming, my friends. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um,. Long lines of hungry people snake through the streets of the nation's cities. Yeah, they waited for hours for a slice of bread, a cup of coffee, or a bowl of soup from soup kitchens run by local governments and charities. Soup, a.k.a. water with some celery. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Maybe a carrot. Peggy. (laughs) It's like whole carrots. (laughs) Dice them up. Just boiled water. Just water and boiled carrots. Yeah. Uh, Peggy Terry, a young girl in Oklahoma. Um talked about her day her days after school uh, at the soup kitchen if you happened to be one of the first ones in line you didn't get anything but water that was but the water that was on top so we'd ask the guy that was ladling out the soup in the buckets everybody had to bring their own bucket to get the soup he dipped the grease the, I, I'm not even ad-libbing that that's literally I said that he dipped the greasy watery stuff off the top so he'd ask him to please dip down and get some of the meat and potatoes from the bottom of the kettle no but he wouldn't do it fuck you little girl (laughs) you get nothing get out of the line i'm saving all the good stuff for my brother when he gets here later yeah um then families who uh lost their homes they made shelters out of old boxes homeless fucking communities made it like tarp and pieces of plywood and shit that they found. Right, yeah, and and some refer to them bitterly as Hoovervilles because of President Hoover's failure to act. <laughs> Look at... <laughs> I get to have minestrone soup. I have a full selection of soups. <laughs> yeah. Look at all my soups. Look at all my soups in these poor people. Um... President Hoover thought that the economic crisis was temporary and that prosperity was just, just around the corner. It's just around the corner over there. Yeah, go down there. Reminds <laughs> me of like that scene in um in Casino where De Niro's like telling her. Oh like, no, to in go Goodfellas down. when he's like, is, is that in Goodfellas? Goodfellas? Oh yeah, my when bad. He tells her, yeah, like, just go down there. Oh, we got all these fur coats. Yeah, just yeah, go yeah. Right around the yeah. corner there. She's like, no, I gotta go because <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna kill me. <laughs> yeah, that was Hoover. Yeah, yeah. Um, he also believed that the depression cannot be cured by legislative action Dude, or executive read pronouncement. It in the voice. Please, please <laughs> respect the show. Do it again. Depression can be cured by legislative action and executive pronouncement. All right, yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> um, instead, Hoover called on business leaders not to cut wages or production of goods and on charities to do their best for the needy. Just keep it going. Keep the party going. Just do it so I can have my soups. <laughs> I was denied. <laughs> I was denied a chickarina soup last week. What are the uh, the little crackers called? Like oyster Saltines, crackers. Saltines, oyster crackers. Yeah. Wait, more oyster crackers <laughs> over here for my soups. 
<laughs> this is the era of oysters. So, no more clams. I like to eat my soup in a bathtub filled with soup. <laughs> Cleans out my pores. I sometimes I fill up my hot tub with stew. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! Uh, basically, his whole thing was like, "Look, here's the deal. I don't. We don't. There's nothing the government's gonna do to help you people. You guys have to pull up your own bootstraps and help each other." You, you think, think I didn't buy that? You think I didn't work hard for all this soup? <laughs> You think I didn't manipulate your minds to get into the White House and to be eating all the soups I want? Don't be a fucking moron. <laughs> uh, I gave him that voice because he's just like the worst president. Right. He's yeah. like such a piece of shit. Yeah. He seemed like an evil doer more than he did. Uh, like, did you watch that fucking J. Edgar with DiCaprio? I think plays him. I thought that was F. Oh, I thought it was. No, 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 DiCaprio did a movie called, I think it's called J. Edgar, or just Edgar, maybe. And it's about, he's Hoover, basically, and it's about how he sets up the FBI. Oh, okay. Couldn't even get through, like, an hour of it. I, I think we, me and Lauren tried to watch it a couple times. Because it was Every bad or because the character pissed you like, off? <sighs> oh, because <laughs> it was just, like, the first hour of Leonardo DiCaprio eating soup in a costume? Yeah, and it's him just being like, we need to police everybody so I can eat all the soup. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Is this really what he was like? What is this guy talking about? Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's supposed to be good. This movie fucking sucks. This is the worst movie of my life. Let's watch T2. <laughs> you got T2? Let's throw T2 on. You like Skynet? Yeah. And some Skynet. Skynet's way more realistic than no, this No, don't turn me off. I swear it will get good. <laughs> I'm draining all the power from all the batteries. <laughs> Um, uh, let's eventually see. Hoover recognized that the federal government had to take steps to combat the depression. Yep. Uh, he authorized additional federal spending on public works. Fine. We'll give them parks and then that will shut them up. How about highways? Everyone loves highways. <laughs> no one can afford cars, but we should build a highway. Yeah. <laughs> um, state and local governments ran out of money though. And the combined spending by all three levels of government declined. Yep. On January, 1932, uh, they, him and Congress created the Reconstruction Finance Corporation, or the RFC, which lent money to businesses. Um, it also provided funds for state and local programs. However, uh, the directors of the RFC were reluctant to make risk to like spend money and make loans. Um, so like this budget that they were given, they just didn't touch it. Yeah. I imagine them like, just like standing around, like looking at their deposit statements and being like, look at all this fucking money. I don't know if it's right uh, for them. Yeah. 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 That's like at the time, just looking don't at spend it. saved money is just like looking at porn. Yeah. Well, what I've thought was interesting is, and I don't know if spending the money would have helped the problem or not, but mm -hmm. it seemed like, the equivalent I thought of in my head was it's like you're 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 trying to dig a hole to China, right? right. And you just have one shovel. And then right. I come over and I'm like, Hey Rob, here's a here's a bulldozer. I'm gonna give you this bulldozer. This way you can efficiently Right, but Chris, dig I'm not trying China. to I'm not trying to knock anything down. I'm trying to dig. Well, whatever. A cr uh, what are those things called? The scoopy things. Sure, yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. The scoop the scoop 
yellow truck thing, right. not a bulldozer, the other one. Right. Uh, it's like I buy that for you and backhoe. give it to you. That's what it's called. Yeah, there I give go. you a backhoe, mm-hmm. and then I come back a week later, and you're just still using the shovel. Right. It's yeah. just like, well, what did I do all this for? You're not doing anything. Right. You spent. You have not used the backhoe that I just bought. Mm-hmm. This like people are given a budget to help all the public, and they're just like, no, we can't spend this. Right. We're just gonna leave it here. Right. And then what do they do? They're not. Then they're not doing anything. Dude, they're just like sitting said, in office denying shit. They're they're looking at all that money and they're just like, that's a lot of soup. <laughs> Don't spend it. <laughs> businesses. I mean, we can't like, spend it either, but like soup businesses. <laughs> that I'm on board with. Soup spending. Invest in soup. <laughs> uh, the bonus army. Um, by 1932, Americans were growing increasingly oh, discontented was, and began to take action. This, yeah. this is the part that really got me sad. Basically, all these World War One vets were promised uh, like a what was it a pension or a or a bonus, just like a like a check, like hey, you know, thanks a lot, kid. Well, you know, not not until this. It wasn't like they were you know promised it like oh, uh, okay, while they were okay. at war. What happened was um, they marched on Washington because they were blaming Hoover for the depression, the depression, and they wanted some reparations kind of thing. Right. And in 1924, Congress agreed to give each veteran of World War One a bonus to be distributed in 1945. What? Yeah. Jobless I'm going to be veterans, dead by then. Yeah. Jobless veterans wanted the bonuses right away. And in the summer of 1932, they formed the bonus army and marched to Washington, D.C. Yeah. Okay. So they were, you're right. They were promised it, but right. they weren't promised it until 1945. Right. And then we're in a depression. So they got pissed. And they're like, we want it now. They go there in 1932 as the bonus army, right? And, and demand they... their money, and then Hoover basically just calls in the new army. <laughs> Release the hounds! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shoot them! Um, ah, yeah. Ah, the soup is hot. Get me a lukewarm soup while I watch them die. Yeah, they like created all these camps, and then Hoover had the army like burn them down. Right. And many Americans were horrified that the government had attacked its own citizens, particularly war veterans. Hoover seemed out of touch with ordinary people. Many people thought the time had come for a change of government. I sure fucking hope so. What do you mean? Who doesn't want to be burnt alive? Yeah. <laughs> um, and now we're getting That's to the other thing I was, That was the other thing I, I wrote here, too, was they never said how much they were going to be given. I wonder if they did all that and they were just like, all right, you each are going to get 100 bucks. Yeah, it's like 100 bucks or a gallon of soup. <laughs> Which one's more valuable to you? <laughs> or get beat up or dot or killed in a in a riot. Yeah. Franklin D. Roosevelt. Um Give him the D. Give him <laughs> Give him Delano. <laughs> we want Delano. <laughs> um the so obviously just Soup, 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 <laughs> soup. <laughs> No, no, no! <laughs> the soup is for me! Yeah. The soup is for me! <laughs> uh, the Just like with everything in the past, the Republicans are, you know, anytime one party is fucking everything up for mm-hmm. a few years, everyone's like, right. nah, we're flipping to Time the to other side. Sides, yeah. yeah. So now we're on, now everyone's all in Democrat mode because they don't like how much soup uh, Hoover's eating in front of them. And so in June of 1932, the meeting in Chicago, Democrats chose Governor Franklin D. Roosevelt of New York as their candidate. 
Um, he was known as FDR. And did you think at all about what this guy would talk like? I had a few things rolling in my brain. No, I almost feel bad. Like, I don't even want to make fun of him just because he just seems like probably one of the greatest Americans to have ever lived, you know? He like, he needs to relative. be. That's fucking he needs weird. To be, yeah, that is weird. Um, I got a plenty of weird things about this dude. Well, well yeah. Yeah, there's <laughs> some good stuff coming up. But, what are um, you like? What, what, what did he jerk you off? What do you feel like? So- dude, he fucking helped us World War II. He got us out of the Depression. The greatest part of American economy was from him. There's like this whole fine, thing about fine. We won't make fun of him. Well, no, I mean he needs he needs <laughs> he needs to be in line with like a George Washington type. You think so? Yeah, definitely. I just feel like he's got Roosevelt blood in him, and then he married a Roosevelt. Plus, he's yeah, rich. Like twice removed. But whatever. He's from New York. Right. All right. Well, do you got something? I don't care. I don't know. I was gonna try to. I I kept trying to do it in the car of this like mesh of like rich gay New Yorker, but I was like having a really tough time doing that. Yeah, I don't know. He's a stand-up guy. <laughs> Get it? Get it? Cause his legs don't work. Get it? I'm a dick. <laughs> um. Anyway, he said, "I pledge you. I pledge myself to a new deal for the American people." Uh, the, Repu- the Republicans made the worst choice by uh, meeting in Chicago and and. Nominating Hoover for re-election. Yeah, the Republicans. Yeah, the Republicans are just like, well, we're in a Great Depression. Who do we think would keep this ball rolling? Right. When it, wait, if it ain't broke, if it's broke, don't fix it. Let's keep Hoover in office. <laughs> if the soup is still hot, <laughs> then keep the boil off. <laughs> keep the burner. Keep on. the fire going. <laughs> We're all still eating soup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they refer to it as the, the soup years. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this is where it gets weird, though, because Franklin Delano Roosevelt, uh, a distant cousin of former President Teddy Roosevelt, came from a wealthy New York family. Um, in 1905, he married Theodore Roosevelt's niece, Eleanor Roosevelt, and yeah, she became so a tireless what? partner in his public and political life. She's freaking hot. Yeah, and then <laughs> God struck him down. <laughs> Taking away his legs. You know you're not supposed to marry your cousin, Roosevelt. Yeah. Yeah, so what? I'm going to do all kinds of great things for this nation. I'm the best. I'm the best. Delano. Delano. You know me. (laughs) Started at the bottom. Now I'm here. Now I'm (laughs) here. Started at the bottom. Now my whole country's here. Started at the bottom. Now I'm married to my cousin. Yo, she's a piece of ass, though, right? <laughs> Despite her being my cousin, she is very hot. Yeah. Uh, in 1910, with his election to New York, uh, he was elected the New York... State Senate. Yeah. Uh, he was known as a forward thinker. He could persuade the people to support his views. In 1913, Roosevelt became assistant secretary of the Navy. Yeah, like boats. Uh, <laughs> in the ni- in, and in 1920... Uh, the Democrats chose him as their candidate for vice president. Um, then in 1921, yeah. polio struck Roosevelt, paralyzing both his legs. Um, although there was no cure, FDR's will remained strong and he refused to give in, saying, Yo, once I spend two years lying in bed trying to move my big toe, after that, anything's fucking easy, huh? <laughs> 
Now I can move all my fucking toes. Hey, now you got these wheels rolling me around, right? Living in a life of luxury. Yeah. <laughs> now I don't do shit. Now I don't could have sex with my cousin no more. Yeah. <laughs> Unless I want to, which I don't. Which I don't have. Even though she's a piece of ass. <laughs> uh, return to politics. After a few years, FDR decided to return. He never publicly mentioned his paralyzed legs, and he asked journalists not to photograph his leg braces or wheelchair. Elected governor of New York in 1928 and reelected in 1930, Roosevelt earned a national reputation as a reformer. Um, he also had this group he called the Brain Trust. Yeah, you like that name that I made up? It means like, you know, they're all really smart. Yeah, <laughs> but it's also a euphemism for getting head. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking innuendo. Yeah. So, you know, I talked to my friends, a progressive lawyer, <laughs> an economist, and a social worker. <laughs> uh, to help him guide the nation out of a Great Depression. Uh, the where are my brainiacs at, huh? Hey. Get me... over here, you fucking egghead. Hey, where's my brain farts? Yeah. Get over here. Uh, during the 1932 camp, I'm starting to talk like that now. During the 1932 campaign, Roosevelt declared, "The country needs to needs and demands bold, persistent experimentation." Yeah, like taking like a yeah. dog and like connecting it to like a cat head. Yeah, when you know when you're banging your cousin, maybe uh, you know put your pinky up a butt. <laughs> we gotta experiment, people. Things are fucked up. No one's got any soup. I got weird legs, <laughs> so I gotta have sex in weird ways. Don't look at my weird legs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, he also spoke of trying to help the forgotten man at the bottom of him, the economic pyramid. Yeah, like the Egyptians. Like you know them Egyptians or whatever. I mean, wh I mean, look. If you don't, you're not into pyramids. We could call it something else. You want to call it a ladder. You want to call it a. Uh, Whatever the the bottom part of a thermometer, uh, what else uh, analogies for being at the bottom? And right, not, like a fucking lobster, like a sea creature yeah, at the like, bottom, like, like a, a dead lobster at the bottom of a fresh catch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking for that lobster. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Fine, whatever. You're from Maryland? Fine. The, the, the dead blue claw at the bottom or New Orleans. Whatever whatever shellfish you want to use in, in place is fine. As place of the dead one at the bottom, whatever that is, that is who I am representing. Right now. Hey, brain kids, get over here. Hey, get over here, egghead. <laughs> hey, nerd squad. Explain this fucking analogy to them, huh? They all, they're all like sad. Like, can you stop calling us that? Nah, yeah. shut. Look, you want to keep getting paid, tough guy? All right, should I call you a fucking poindexter, huh? Why are you breaking balls? Yeah. <laughs> uh, restoring confidence. You're uh, busting my balls, but I can't feel them. <laughs> Despite all the ball busting, my balls feel fine, mostly because they're numb now constantly. Who's, now who's laughing, huh? Yeah, they ain't funny <laughs> anymore. <laughs> <laughs> People became desperately afraid. Uh, March 4th. Oh, wait. Oh, the economy worsened, so people became desperately afraid. On March 4th, 1933, Roosevelt told the nation, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Your pussies. Your fucking dradules. <laughs> 
uh, <laughs> he reassured people, pointing out that the, the greatest primary task is to put people to work. More mortadel. More mortadel, which is basically just like a fancy bologna. And, but it's good. And working. <laughs> so good. So good. It's like if you dare try to pat, tell me it's a mortadel and it's a bologna, I'll kill you. Yeah. Uh, Roosevelt ordered all banks uh, closed for four days. Congress passed the Emergency Bank uh, Banking Relief Act to help banks reorganize and open again. Uh, after a week in office, FDR assured American in a radio broadcast that it is safer to keep your money in a bank uh, than under a mattress, which is what I do. But just, you know, just because I do it doesn't mean you have to do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I keep my money under my legs. <laughs> 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 and I gotta ask my piece of piece of ass wife to check because I can't. I don't know if it's ever there. She's got a every time she lifts my legs to clean them. She also double checks the money to make sure no one stole it on, while I was sleeping. And I, I fought in her face because it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> right in her face. My dick doesn't work, but my asshole still does. <laughs> what a country we live in. <laughs> uh. So the president started doing this thing. The, uh, this was the first of many of his fireside chats uh, because he sat next to the fireplace in the White House as he spoke. And these fireside chats helped FDR gain the public's confidence. Hey, everyone, gather around. Do you hear the cracklings of gather, my fire? Gather around my fireplace because I can't feel my legs. Good night, moon. Good night, cat. Good night, bed. <laughs> He's just like reading stories to them. <laughs> Wasn't that a story? Good night, moon. Or some yeah, shit? good night, moon. Yeah. Good night, warm glass of half drinking milk next to my chair. Good night. It's called fireside chat because I'm just sitting down all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Even when I sleep, I'm I'm sitting. Um. <laughs> hey, kids, gather around. FDR's on the radio. <laughs> Ah, you hear those crackles? Hear those crackles and promises of a better economy? Um, during a period that came to be called the 100 Days, Roosevelt's proposals for new economic programs were quickly approved by Congress. Um, and it was an amazingly productive time. Yep. Journalist and Thomas Stokes recalled the, the gloom of the closing months of the, Hoover administra of the Hoover administration had vanished. Nah! <laughs> It's like licking up like a small puddle of soup <laughs> off the floor. It was later. My soup! My soups! No! He just starts melting away. Uh, the New Deal takes shape. Um, the new laws that Congress passed during the 100 days. So basically, this, all the shit that Congress and Roosevelt passed during those first 100 days were known as the New Deal. Which I thought was sort of stupid because the 100 Days and the New Deal are basically the same fucking thing. Mm -hmm. But they gave them two different names. So anyway, it's like, uh, it's like the difference between having swamp ass and duck butter. Right. Same thing. Yeah. Different names. Same thing. Both different funny. names. Both yeah. hilarious. Yep. Um, the New Deal laws and, uh, and regulations affected banking, the stock market, industry, uh, agriculture, public works, relief for the poor, and conservation of resources. Yeah, you like that? I did all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's new. It's new. 
Francis Perkins, Roosevelt's Secretary of Labor, wrote uh, about the New Deal. Uh, in March 1933, the New Deal was not a plan. It was a happy phrase FDR had coined during the campaign. It made people feel better. In that terrible period of depression, they needed to feel better. Cool use of the word better. Uh, jobs and relief. Uh, Roosevelt gave high priority to creating jobs. Um, he created the Civil Conservation Corps. CCC. Over the next 10 years, the CCC employed about 3 million young people to work on projects that benefited the public. This is this seemed weird. It was like they basically pay people to plant trees, well, build levees for flood control and improving national parks. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah, you want a job? <laughs> hey, yeah, I got you, a job for you. I got a job. How you build? How about you uh, plant me some trees in front of my house? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the president made aid to the poor and suffering another priority. Uh, he established the Federal Emergency Relief Administration to give money to the states for use in helping people in need. Yep. He, I realized after I read all this, we could have just read this graph and it bangs out all the programs we're about to read. Ah, whatever. This is what like pissed me off about this chapter, though. What? Just like all these the listing. Yeah, just, just the listing. So I know. Much shit. Yeah. Uh, he appoint uh, Roosevelt appointed Harry Hopkins, a New York social worker, to lead the F E the Fera F E R A. Hopkins became known as one of FDR's closest advisors. Uh, yeah, me and him smoke cigars and drink limoncello every Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> On May twelfth, Congress passed the Agricultural Adjustment Act, the AAA. Uh, it had two goals, to raise farm prices quickly and control production so that farm prices would stay up over the long term. Um, the supply of food outstripped demand. The AAA could raise prices only by paying farmers to destroy crops, milk, and livestock. Uh, many people thought it was shocking that they were throwing away and destroying all this millions of, uh, these crops while millions of people were hungry. But... Uh, the new dealers claim that the action was necessary to bring up prices. Look, I know that you're hungry and that you're starving and you probably haven't had food in like four or five days as he's like dumping milk out into a drain. Right, yeah. But this is the only way this is going to help your kids and your kids' kids and your children. Just imagine the farmers like just destroying their farms and being like, I never liked you anyway. <laughs> you ruined me. My kids hate me. My wife's a cunt. Fucking better off just becoming a stockbroker. They made out like thieves. <laughs> yeah. I gotta learn money now. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, my farming days are done. Uh, Burn it down. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> this throws a torch. Thank God. <laughs> better off this way. Yeah. Uh... The AAA paid farmers to leave some of their land uncultivated. Uh, if market prices of a key farm product, such as wheat or cotton, fell below a certain level, the AAA would pay farmers subsidies um, to, like, to make up the difference. In three years of the New Deal, farmers' incomes rose about 50%. The then later, the Supreme Court ruled that the AAA was unconstitutional in the United States versus Butler, uh, 1936, for invading the reserved powers of states. 
Yeah, one of the boldest programs launched during the 100 days was the Tennessee Valley Authority. The TVA aimed to control flooding, promote or help advance conservation and development, and bring electricity to rural areas along the Tennessee River. Um, by building new dams and improving others, the TVA ended the region's disastrous flooding. And with hydroelectric power generating, which creating electricity from whatever we know what that shit <laughs> water, is, yeah. Um, some critics charge that funds for the TVA should be used to support programs nationwide. Power companies also attack the program as unfair and communistic. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and when the spring rains came in 1937, however, the system worked and the dams prevented the Tennessee River from flooding. Oh, well, 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 look at here. Look who did a good thing. You're sitting around making fun of old Delano here. Yeah. <laughs> we all know I just saved hundreds of millions of people's lives. Yeah. Check your shoes. Are they dry? Oh, look at you with your dry feet. <laughs> hey. Eat a cannoli and shut your fucking mouth. You know what's great? Being dry. <laughs> um, in the end, most observers agree. You got though. anything else to say? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> uh, in the end, most observers agreed that the TVA was an example of successful social and economic planning. What, you're mad because I made a damn for them and I didn't make a damn for you? Guess what, Arizona? You don't get flooding, you fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> get over it. You're dry like my balls. <laughs> you get it? Because I don't sweat anywhere below my waistline. Oh! Ho -ho. Ho -ho. Handicap joke. <laughs> Watch out. Yeah. Uh, wait, where are we right now? Helping business and labor. Uh on uh, the last of the day of the 100 days, Congress passed the National Industrial Recovery Act, um, which Roosevelt called the most important and far-reaching legislation. Whatever um, that means. The goal of the NIRA was to boost the economy by helping business regulate itself. It created the National Recovery Administration, which encouraged businesses to set a minimum wage and abolish child labor. Uh, it also tried to set up codes governing pricing and other practices for every industry to promote the agency. It's blue Eagle symbol and slogan. We do our part <laughs> soon appeared everywhere. Um, it also launched the public works administration, which goal was to stimulate the economy through the building of huge public works projects. Yeah. They did construction of roads, shipyards, hospitals, and schools. Um, Two of the some many of them still stand today, such as the New York City's Lincoln Tunnel and Kentucky's Fort Knox. Uh, the impact on unemployment was not uh, immediate. Um, Roosevelt called for reform of the nation's financial system. Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, the FDIC, uh, they insured bank deposits. Um, Congress also passed a law regulating the sale of stocks and bonds. Uh, and created the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, um, and they were there to power to punish dishonest stockbrokers and speculators. Um, assessing the early New Deal. The early New Deal did not cure the nation's ills. The Depression dragged on. Um, you know, everybody was still in shambles, but, but basically the darkest day, like, it was getting better, slightly. But mm -hmm. it, not, it was not fixed. Right. Um, 
and yeah and people's confidence was rising dude this whole this this another thing that bothered me about this time period and i don't know maybe because you know people had such little to hang on to at this point but it bothered me like all the unions it was like oh we got a union for this and a union for that and a union on top of that and a program for this and inside mm -hmm. that program we got a union and a group this group created a group and then that group has a group because they needed to handle this and it's just like all these fucking groups like it's it's right. like it's so fucking annoying fucking unions man it's like the most boring and there's like no interesting way to talk about it because it's just like they wanted to start this union for fair wages and they didn't want right. kids to do this. Yeah. And then they had a riot and then they didn't give it to them. And then they gave it to them and then the army stepped in and now they have it, but then it abolished, but then it regrew again years later and then right, they yeah. have it again. It's just like, Ugh. well, just suffer through it. Ugh. <laughs> Ugh. <clears throat> Life during the depression. Women go to work. Yep. Uh, desperation drove a large number of women into the workforce, despite the fact that many people thought that women should not hold jobs as long as men were unemployed. I don't understand how, if men were unemployed, how women were even getting jobs. I guess they were willing to work for less and, you know, maybe factories were like, we need more clams, <laughs> you know? So... So the men had too much pride to work for shitty money, and so they're like, I'm not working. I guess. If I'm not getting at least this much money and my union's not backing me up, I'm not going to work. I guess. Or like I said, maybe there's just certain jobs where they'd rather have a woman. It's like, imagine if you tried to get a job today as a babysitter. You think you'd get that job? Nope. Why not? Guarantee you couldn't. I guarantee you. Unless it was someone that you already knew, I guarantee you it would never happen. I know, but I guarantee you couldn't get that job. Same thing, like, if someone wanted a personal secretary, you think you're getting that job? You're not. Hell yeah. You're not. I'm telling you, you're not. You're a sexist. No, I'm not a sexist. I don't appreciate your tone that you're taking with me. Well, too bad. You're telling me that I cannot be a babysitter. Too bad. Just because I have polio and the loss of my legs. And my I, hands don't work. I had to do that Kill Bill thing with my toe <laughs> in order to move my toes again to have sex with my cousin. And break through the coffin of life. You tell me I do all that and I can't be a babysitter? That's right. I'm going to kill you, Robert. But anyway, um... Many families survived on a woman's income, even though American women earned less than men. And they sewed their own clothes, they baked their own bread, canned their own vegetables. Yep. Um, they started home businesses like laundries and boarding houses. Um, Roosevelt was the first to put women in his cabinet, such as Frances Perkins. Um, he also named more than 100 other women to federal posts. Ellen Sullivan Woodward started a program to provide jobs for women. Eleanor Roosevelt uh, often acted as her husband's eyes and ears. I don't know. I, I don't really know what this meant. Like, what she just, I don't know. She, I guess because he didn't have the legs, she could, like, move around more and find things out faster than him. Yeah. So she would just report shit back to him. Yeah. I don't know. That was weird. Um, the Dust Bowl. Eleanor, I need you to go down to... Uh to Florida and tell me wh who's got the best Cuban sandwich down there. Do some fact-finding. Hey, sweetheart, I know I'm going to refer to you as my eyes and ears, even though my eyes and ears are working. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it just won't make sense for me to call you my legs. Right, yeah. <laughs> you are so hot. <laughs> you're still a piece of ass. You're still a, you're still a battle axe. I Oof. love you. Get over here. I'm going to put my toe in your butt. <laughs> 
<laughs> we gotta experiment. We have to experiment. Hey, check out this tall move I just learned. <laughs> hot, right? This is hot. Uh... During the 1930s... Give me a peppers and onions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, uh, there was an environmental disaster in the 1930s. Um, Western Kansas, Oklahoma, Northern Texas, Eastern Colorado, and New Mexico uh, were dubbed the name the Dust Bowl. Gross. Ew. <laughs> Seriously. Um, new technology which is what fucked them. Uh, tractors, disc plows. Um, using tractors and disc plows, they, the farmers cleared millions of acres of sod for wheat farming. The roots, they didn't know this, but the roots of the grass held the soil in place. And when a severe drought struck in 1931, the wheat crops dried and the soil dried out. And then all these like windy storms started coming through. And it just basically created, they called them black blizzards. And it was just insane amounts of sand and soil going everywhere and it mm -hmm. said in some areas the sand drifted and formed as high as six feet burying roads and vehicles first the grasshoppers and now this. now this <laughs> yeah. i know i knew we should have left damn it uh about four hundred thousand farmers migrated to california and became migrant workers um this basically meant that they like it's i think it's like the grapes of wrath shit where they just kind of traveled around and would like work for farmers mm -hmm. and just be like, hey, pick your yeah. pick your cotton or whatever the fuck it is you're making. They were the Mexicans of this time, pretty right. much. Yeah, uh, they were also known as Okies because many of them came from Oklahoma. Um, the plight of minorities. Yeah, this part pissed me off too. It's just like if the whole country is doing bad, then obviously African Americans, right. Native Americans, and and Hispanic Americans are not doing so good either. Uh, yeah, this yeah. this whole chapter just keeps bringing me down and down. Yeah, so further, the depression fell further. especially hard on the minority groups who were already on the lower rungs of the American economic ladder: uh, African Americans, Native Americans, and Hispanic Americans. Um, in the South, more than half of the African American population had no jobs. Um, American. African-Americans who lived and worked in southern cities found their jobs taken by white people who had lost theirs. Yep. And the collapse of farm prices crushed African-American farmers. So about 400,000 African-American men, women, and children migrated to northern cities during the 1930s. Yeah. However, they got up there and there were still no, no jobs. jobs. Right. Um, then they started however, the NAACP. Yeah, they, they did start the NAACP uh, to lessen discrimination in the labor movement. And as a result, more than 500,000 African-Americans were able to join labor unions. Still they, no jobs, but we're in the union. President Roosevelt also appointed a number of African-Americans to federal posts. And he had a group of advisors known as the Black Cabinet. The Black Cabinet. What the fuck else am I going to call them? Yeah. It's not racist. They're black. What do you want me to call them? The Fro Cabinet? They don't yeah. have fros. <laughs> well, not all of them anyway. <laughs> um. So included Robert Weaver, a college professor, Ralph Bunch, who later played an important role in the civil rights movement, uh, Mary Mikleod Bethune, Bethune, who founded Bethune-Cookman College in Florida, uh, was also an advisor to the president. Yep. And then this was weird. In 1939, opera singer uh, Marian Anderson was denied permission to sing at the Constitutional Hall because she was African-American. Mrs. Roosevelt helped arrange for uh, Anderson to give her historic concert at the Lincoln Memorial. 
Native Americans. The 1930s, um, they uh, the government provided some benefits to Native Americans. Uh, the head of the Bureau of Indian Affairs, John Collier, uh, introduced the Indian New Deal. Um, he halted... We would like a New Deal, too. We are sick of these hot dogs. <laughs> Uh, Collier halted the sale of reservation land, got jobs for 77,000 Native Americans in the Civilian Conservation Corps, um, and obtained Public Works Administration funds to build new reservation schools. Uh, the Congress pushed to pass the Indian uh, Reorganization Act of 1934, uh, restored um, traditional tribal government, and provided money for land uh, purchases to enlarge some reservations. Yeah, and then the Latinos. Latino. Um, by 1930, about 2 million people of Latino or Hispanic descent lived in the U.S., mostly in California and the Southwest. Um, a lot of them came from Mexico. Some worked as farmers on small pieces of lands, while others uh, were laborers in industries or migrant workers. Um, as the Great Depression deepened, resentment against Mexican-Americans grew, <laughs> and many lost their jobs. Uh, politicians and labor unions demanded that Mexican-Americans be forced to leave the United States. The government encouraged Mexican immigrants to return to Mexico. Authorities gave them one-way train tickets to Mexico <laughs> or simply round them up and ship them south across the border. And more than 500,000 Mexican-Americans left the U.S. during the years of the Depression. A lot of them involuntarily. Right. Uh, and as expected, Mexicans had felt discrimination. Many hospitals and schools also turned away Mexican-Americans. Um, some migrant workers tried to form labor unions, but the local officials would not allow them to do so. Which, yeah, whatever. I thought this was interesting. Up top here, um, riding the rails. Did you read this? Uh, no. So, basically, during the Depression, at least 250,000 teenagers left home to ride the rails. They crisscrossed the country, uh, across the country, hopping freight trains. Many went west to California or southern warmer states in search of jobs, better life, or just plain old adventure. Uh, the life of a hobo was often lonely and dangerous. In 1932, alone, nearly 6,000 hobos were killed or injured when attempted to jump on or off a train. Adventure, bro. Yeah. And then you see they have these symbols that, like, the hobos would leave. Like, you can camp here. Leave quickly. Like, you know, you see that? They, like, left, like, messages. Yeah, there was a thing on Mad Men about that where, like, if you went to work for someone and the person was, like, dishonest or didn't pay you or something, you'd leave a mark on their, like, mailbox. So, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, that was on a Mad Men episode. But anyway. They must have learned that from the, hom from the hobos. Yeah, from the hobos. Yeah. Um, radical political movements. I'm sorry, people. We're almost done. I mean, not really. We're on section three. <laughs> There's still four a whole other section. Yeah. Socialists and communists viewed the uh, the depression not as temporary economic problem, but as the death of a failed system. Uh, communism attracted some Americans with promise to end economic and racial injustice. Um, same with socialism, but obviously neither of those. Uh, were like taken on in the United States. And then this other newer one, uh, fascism is a political philosophy that holds the individual second to the nation and advocates government by dictatorship. Um, 
it nobody it didn't attract most Americans, but it drew enough attention to make it dangerous, according to the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, the Depression fascists blamed Jews, communists, liberals for the country's troubles. Uh, and then in 1936, the Span- there was a Spanish Civil War, and the government was neutral, but 3,000 Americans went to Spain to fight fascists. Yep. Entertainment and the arts. Um, radio became enormously popular during the 1930s. Uh, soap operas were daytime drama- dramas sponsored by laundry detergents. I never knew that, by the way. What? That that's why they were called soap operas. Yeah, neither did I. Good point. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, so one good fact. Adventure programs such as Dick Tracy and Superman had millions of listeners, as did, as did variety shows featuring comedians George Burns and Gracie Allen and Jack Benny. Um, every week, 85 million people went to movie theaters, uh, yep. usually to escape their shitty lives. Yeah, Walt Disney made Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs in 1937. And then two years later, The Wizard of Oz came yep. out. And then... Then there was other movies that had serious topics like the Grapes of Wrath. Um, <laughs> feel our wrath. Feel the wrath of the grapes. Our grapes are dry and sour. Eat these raisins. Yeah. Um, and then, I don't know, 1939 film of Margaret Mitchell's novel Gone with the Wind. Uh, had people, portrayed people coping with hard times. Yeah, and the writers and painters also portrayed the grim realities of depression life. You had, you know, novels like Native Son, the story of an African-American man growing up in Chicago. Yep. Um, Let us now praise famous men. Yeah, some photographer depicted poor southern farm families. Um, Photographer Margaret Burke White also recorded the plight of American farmers. And Dorothea Lange took gripping photographs of migrant workers. Painters such as Grant Wood and Thomas Hart Benton showed ordinary people facing the hardships of depression life. All right. Fun break time. Can you talk the talk, Robert? Probably not. Sure, the Roaring Twenties are full of flappers and good times, but you cannot dance the Charleston forever. Sooner or later, you're going to have to talk. Why not? Will (laughs) Will you know what to say? See if you can match the 20s slang with correct meaning. Don't look at the answers at the bottom, Robert. Okay. Don't cheat. Sure. Okay. What is a sinker? By the way, so people know, his choices are A, dancer, B, donut, C, place with illegal liquor, D, dollar, E, pilot, and F, elegant. So your first one is, what is a sinker? Donut. Did you look at the bottom? No. Oh. I'm using process of elimination because I can see the other things. Okay, so. so yeah, that is correct. Oh, well, this one you'll get. Speakeasy. Yeah, place with illegal liquor. Uh, Flyboy is pilot. Swanky is elegant. Hoofer. Hoofer has to be a dancer and clam has to be dollar. <laughs> right? Yeah, I think clam is dollar. Fuck. That was not as... I didn't even look at them. I was just like, oh, this will be fun and hard. I mean, if you know a few of them, then you're going to be able to figure out the rest. All right, whatever. Um, numbers. The United like, the hardest one was probably Sinker, but I knew that it wasn't any of the other fucking ones. Right. So um, So it's here on the left. It says numbers. United States at the time. It's got, you know, one, two, and then four. Four gold medals. Adolf Hitler, Germany's fascist leader, invited the world to Berlin for the 1936 Olympic Games. Hitler hoped to prove the supposed 
inferiority of the non-Aryan races. No one told uh, that to the U.S. superstar Jesse Owens, an African-American athlete who won four gold medals in track and field events. Gas him. <laughs> Murder him. Um, he is making me look bad. <laughs> Section 4, effects of the New Deal. Um, demanding more reform. While Roosevelt drew fire from those who believed that the president had not gone far enough. Uh, do I have to fucking go through this first part for that what? to make sense? Um, Bottom line is I didn't underline anything for this section, so except <laughs> for the end, which pissed me off. Uh, kind of big bis- Um, I don't know. They were just there was a lot of a lot of the big businesses and stuff were disagreeing with this hundred days in the New Deal and all the stuff that FDR was doing essentially. Um, they wanted conservatives wanted him to leave business alone and play a less active role in the economy so you know it's basically the back the backlash of the people that weren't down with everything fdr was doing right so you got this dude father charles coughlin a detroit priest yeah there were three men that gained wide popularity with schemes um to help the average american and they were kind of going against uh they were basically doing these fireside chat bullshits that fdr was doing essentially so anyway i'm sorry keep going yeah so once a roosevelt supporter coffin called for heavy taxes on the wealthy and for the government to take over the nation's banks uh he used his radio show to attack bankers jews communists and the labor unions as well as the new deal um but in time he lost support because of his extreme views he sounds like a fascist sounds like rush limbaugh or glenn beck or yeah. those fucking idiots yeah uh, Francis Townsend, a California doctor, called for a monthly pension or payment for older retired people. Yep. Um, his plan received a little support it from didn't, Congress. Yeah, it didn't go through, but it, I mean, a lot of Americans are like, what do we do with old people? Yeah. Um, but of greatest concern to Roosevelt was Senator Huey Long of Louisiana. Oh, this fucking asshole. As governor of Louisiana, Long won wide support with public works projects. And he had this share our wealth plan. Which share called- our wealth. Taxing the rich heavily, then using that money to give every American a home and $2,500 a year. What y'all think about that? I think it's fucking great. (laughs) Um, Long's plans appealed to many Americans. Polls indicated that in 1936 he might receive as many as 4 million votes on a third-party ticket. But in 1935, he was assassinated by a political opponent. That's all they said. Whoops, what happened there? Did my little Louisiana friend accidentally get shot in the face and dumped inside the river with filled inside of a bag with concrete? But it's like, dude, how are you going to tell me what a fucking tariff is for the 10th time and not follow up anything Say about why. that? Yeah, he's assassinated. Great. Yeah. I'm not going to look it up, so I guess I'll never know. Guess we'll never know. Thanks, yeah. McGraw-Hill, you fucking asshole. Oh, I hate you. The second New Deal. Here we go. Number two. Number two. Like Derek Jeter. <laughs> uh, number two. Like the amount of Roosevelts who get married and become the first and second, la- the first man and second lady. But hey, she's a piece of ass. But she's a hot piece of ass. Uh, by the mid-1930s, the economy improved slightly. The depression was still far from over, but FDR took bolder steps. Um, the Revenue Act of 1935 raised taxes on wealthy people and corporations. Yay, you got something to say? Guess who's raising your taxes? Fuck. Me! Me, <laughs> fucky. Um, critics accused him of soaking the rich to pay for his programs, but many Americans cheered. In 1935, Roosevelt launched a new set of programs and reforms. 
This is known as the Second New Deal. Uh, it changed American life even more than the 100 days had done, creating jobs. 20% uh, of the working force were still unemployed in 1935. Um, they created the Works Progress Administration, the WPA, to give jobs and help the country. Uh, Harry Hopkins, the leader of the WPA, kept about two million people employed between 1935 and 1941. Um, the WPA found work for unemployed writers, artists, and musicians. Um, they basically gave them, like, again, like those people planting trees, it's like, Oh, yeah, you need a job. Hey, come over here. You got to paint the picture. I got picture. a wall that needs a nice, pretty picture. Yeah, come over here and paint the lake on my wall. Because <laughs> I, I got no legs to go see the lake. It's so. hard for me to go to places that do not provide ramps and other <laughs> ways of modes of transportation for these weird wheels that I have, this wheelchair that I have. Maybe if someone invents me some off-road wheels, I could maybe go to these places. Do a but, little off-roading. But you know what? I got my cousin. She's coming back and forth. She's my legs, or as I say publicly, my eyes and ears. So she will describe Not my idea. the lake. Yeah, she will let me know about the lakes and so forth. <laughs> <laughs> Um, before the Second New Deal, America was the only advanced industrial nation without a national government program to help the needy. Um, but in August of 1935, Congress passed the Social Security Act, uh, created a tax on workers and employers. That money provided monthly pensions for retired people. Yep. Another tax funded the unemployment insurance payments to people who lost their jobs. In addition, Social Security helped people with disabilities, the elderly poor, and children of parents who could not support them. With uh, the Social Security Act, the federal government took responsibility for the welfare of all citizens. The labor movement! In 1937, workers at the General Motors plant in Flint, Michigan, used a new technique. The sit-down strike. This Why are we standing? Hey, everyone, I got an idea. I'm sick of standing. When we do the next strike, let's just sit instead. Yeah. <laughs> Let your body go limp. They can't move us. All the guys are just like, oh, Jim, my knees are so tired. Yeah. <laughs> just sit down. Suddenly, all the men Jim, they're pushing down. us over. We can't take it. <laughs> what do we do? Yeah. Uh, after four... Uh, they occupied the plant and yeah, refused to work. For 44 days. Yeah. They were... Yeah. They were... For 44 days, these guys were on strike, probably just doing, like, rotations. The Flint strikers won the right to organize their union. This is what I was talking about, this bullshit union stuff. Um... American Federation of Labor, the AFL, represented only skilled workers. John L. Lewis of the United Mine Workers helped to form a new union. The Congress of Industrial Organizations, the CIO, helped to organize unions and include all workers, skilled or unskilled, in a particular industry. By 1938, the CIO had 4 million members. Some of them included women and African-Americans. Mostly women and African-Americans. Oh, dude. I, I'm everyone. I am so this is the worst. I am. I know I've said this before. This is hands down the worst fucking chapter of this book. Yeah. Well, parts of it for sure. Um, in parts 19, of it. In All 1938, it. Congress passed the Fair Labor Standards Act, uh, banned child labor and set a minimum wage of 40 cents per hour. Finally, no more products made by the hands of an innocent child. Yep. And then the Supreme Court 
So a lot of people opposed the New Deal, challenged many of its laws in the courts. And in 1935, the Supreme Court began to declare New Deal legislation unconstitutional. Yep. Uh, FDR was like, I'm going to pack that court. <laughs> I'm putting my boys in there. Turtle. And my <laughs> other homies from the Queens. Yeah. <laughs> Queens Boulevard, kid. Queens beef. Uh, he asked Congress to increase the number of court justices from 9 to 15. He planned to fill the uh, six new positions with justices who would uphold the New Deal. Obviously, that aroused bitter opposition. Right. Trying, and critics yeah. accused the president of trying to pack the court and ruin the system of checks and balances. Right. But then after the Wagner Act and the Social Security Act, that whole issue died out. Uh, the New Deal was no longer a serious danger to the court. Um, mm-hmm. And this whole thing about packing the thing. Oh, wait. And then the unpopularity of the court packing plan, however, cost Roosevelt uh, much support. Yeah. And then he ran into some trouble with the economy during 1937. And economic recovery seemed to be in full swing. So he cut spending on programs. Uh, an economic downturn known to some as the Roosevelt Recession took hold and lasted in 1938. Uh, but then he helped reverse it with spending on public works. Still, it was unclear that the economy had not fully recovered. And as the 1930s came to an end, however, dangerous events in Asia and Europe caused Americans to turn their attention from domestic to foreign affairs. <sighs> World War II. Yes! <laughs> Thank God. It's got to get worse before it gets better, people. That's right. Thank the fucking Lord. So, yeah, that was Chapter 25. Oh, my God. Chris, shout-outs. Who you got? Ugh, poor people. Chloe Childers, Amy Ivey. You're dead <laughs> now. I buried you. No one will find your bodies. Love you guys. And to all the army people, thank you for fighting and killing and murdering and and bombing and all the drones and all the plans for the drones. Thanks for your thanks for your shanty towns and fighting for your hundred dollar checks that you'll get in twenty years. Yeah, and and most of all, thank you for wearing all those clothes and the huge backpacks when it's 105 degrees in the desert. And thank you for that other army that showed up to those shanty towns to destroy the vets to get them out of there. Yeah, thank so that those they guys. Want their checks. Yeah, but not uh, the people who suck. You know who you are. Yes. <laughs> all right, we'll see you guys next week. Goodbye. <laughs>